0: Cakes and o's thirsty thursday continues now with the cyclone fanatic radio show we're now proudly presented by our friends at the iowa state university foundation right now iowa state students and faculty are giving their best to make our state and world a safer and healthier place your gift to iowa state can move what matters from opening doors to a great education and sharing iowa state's Best with the world. Make a gift at movewhatmatters.com. Now, for the latest on all things cyclones, here's your host, Cyclone Fanatics, Jared Stansberry.
1: Yo, it's another Cyclone Fanatic radio show presented by the Iowa State University Foundation here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 FM, KXNO. I'm Jared Stansberry, uh, as always, your host here on the program. We're going to go straight to the phones and we're going to talk to Brent Bloom about Iowa State's win over Oklahoma State last night in Stillwater in 84. To 81 win in overtime uh highly entertaining game from beginning to finish i was st- or neither team with a, a lead larger than four points brent i know you were uh, calling the women's game last night for big 12 now on espn plus but got a chance to to watch that back and man it was a it was a fun one that's for sure
2: yeah i mean i i got home to see the final five minutes of regulation and watched all the overtime. And then I couldn't sleep after that. I mean, my gosh, that was, that was stressful. And then I watched the rest of it this morning. And I i don't remember a game like that, that I've seen in a long time. And I mean, somebody ran the stats, like it's happened. What a game that tight, from a tension standpoint, there's a, there's a stat out there. I think Ken Palm has it attention meter. And it was like the third most tense game all year in college basketball, which I believe that in like the 15th most in the last 15 years. So it just seemed like neither team could get separation, but at the same time, it wasn't a lack of effort. It was those guys were getting after it. There's that one sequence in the first half where each team missed a dunk or had a dunk blocked at the rim. I mean, it was just uh, insane, but what a huge win. I mean, this is one of those games where you look back on and, you know, maybe it's a swing game for Iowa state, but it's one of those that uh, another quad one win and, um, huge, just a huge win all the way around.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think anytime you can go, especially go to Stillwater and win. you know, it would, it was so long that they went, what was it like 15 years or something they went yeah. without winning down there. Uh, and then, you know, I think they won five of six or something like that at one point, but then it'd been a couple of years again, like Oklahoma state's a good team, man. I think if they weren't, you know, we're not facing the, um, the restrictions that they have because of the NCAA case and things like
2: that. Uh, I mean, that's probably a tournament team. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, they look like it. I mean, uh, their numbers aren't great as far as wins yet, but they've, they've had a couple good ones. But yeah, I, de- I mean, they're definitely in the conversation. I mean, they're just like the rest of the big 12 where mm-hmm. they would be right there and you know their Ken Palm stuff. They're a little bit below Iowa state. I think, you know, analytically they're a little below Iowa state, but defensively another one of those top, 25 teams in the big 12 and they had so much length. I mean, that's the thing with those guys is they're athletic everywhere. And then the size inside with Boone and Cissé. And it's just like, man, they just have an assembly line of six, nine, six, ten guys that are athletic at the rim. And I thought Iowa state did a really nice job of attacking those guys. And sure. A lot of those shots came up empty, but I thought Tyrese was really good. Again, had a couple turnovers, but they're going to need him to have that aggressiveness. And you're playing guys like this every night. And it's tough, but uh, yeah, Oklahoma State—they've always had players. And when Avery Anderson's making shots like he was yesterday, they're going to beat most teams in Stillwater. That's why it was so great for Iowa State to get out of there.
1: Yeah, C-say, uh only a sophomore. He is going to be a problem.
2: Uh, I think. Uh, how how tall is he? He's six listed at,
1: at six foot ten. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's he. I can see why he was the freshman of the year at. at in the American conference at Memphis, he's an NBA body. I I don't know how he's, he's not super skilled yet, but my gosh, it was like his presence at the rim as athleticism. Uh, He's a big time prospect.
1: Yeah. Uh, Obviously a huge game for Isaiah Brockington, 26 points, uh, 11 of 20 from the field went three or four from three, which was probably as, I mean, I would be, I'd have to double check it, but that's as many threes as I think we've seen Isaiah take in quite a while. Um, Man, I know that people hate the mid range shot but i i don't know that there's many more players there might not be another player in the country more efficient from the mid-range than isaiah brockington right now like uh, he is electric from that area
2: he's almost using it to his advantage as you know teams have gone such as as we all agree they should that to the analytic hole that you want layups and threes and free throws that sometimes that they're 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 allowing that 16 to 18 footer as if okay well you can have that and Rocky just taking advantage, but you know, I thought yesterday as opposed to the two previous games, I would say motions and actions leading into those shots were a lot better. It wasn't mm-hmm. just Isaiah one-on-one trying to create something in the mid range with five on the shot clock. It was very much in the rhythm of the offense and all of those looks, it seemed like now he had the one late where it was definitely a force that Iowa state needed to make, but especially everything in the first half when he scored, what he'd get? 14, 15 in the first half it seemed like everything was in the rhythm of the offense and even the threes, uh, they were open and that's the shots he could make. He's not going to just, you know, Steph Curry, create his own three, but if he's catching that off that ball screen and getting a, and stepping in from the, from the wing like that, he's going to make a lot of those. So mm-hmm. while the mid range isn't the most analytically sound shot, if it's in that rhythm of the offense, I think it's good for Iowa state. And, it, you know, obviously took a lot of jumpers yesterday, but the most of them were, we off good stuff, which is better than when you're just firing up something at the buzzer, uh, just, just because you have to.
1: Yeah. The thing I appreciate is it seemed like Iowa State played with purpose offensively, yes. which was a, a pretty significant flip from where they were on Saturday against TCU. Uh, you know, I'm perfectly fine with the taking, you know, Tyrese took some step backs and things like that at the end of shot clocks. Like that's kind of, it is what it is. It's, it's whatever. Um, but I hate when they're coming down and immediately one pass, take a shot. That's what those are the shots that I have a real issue with. And it seemed like that number was drastically decreased uh, last night. They just, they moved the ball much better. The ball movement was really crisp actually at times. Um, And it, it created opportunities to be able to drive the ball, especially in overtime. Mm-hmm. That's where you see when Tyrese is able to attack and get the the dunk over Isaac Likely, uh, you get the and one uh, in a situation like that. I mean, those, yep. those are the things that are missing. And this team needs to be able to move the ball from side to side around the perimeter just to get the defense moving to create driving lanes and then you know you know too, it helps when you get caleb grill who can come off the bench and go five seven from three which to get him seven three-pointers even on a night when he's not it seems like he's not shooting the ball that well i think i'm still trying to get him seven three-pointers every game
2: great point it was just it just felt like iowa state had a more of an identity on that side of the floor uh yeah. and like they knew what they wanted to do and then hunter is i mean in the, late in the second half and then overtime, he was really good. Now he had the turnover issues, but uh, he just, he adds a different dimension that I would say it's going to need that because they just, they don't have anybody else that can force the defense to move like he can. And I mean, Chris w- Williams has said, and I agree, I would say it's going to need either couch or grill to make shots every game. I mean, if this is, if this is the way teams are going to defend them, they're not going to throw it to, to Jones and Condit to get pulse touches, It's just not the makeup of the team. So somebody's going to have to make shots. Brockington did his thing, but you're going to need somebody else. And uh, it was Gruel last night and he was really good. And then I thought Gabe showed a lot of confidence there. I mean, he had, he had not played well offensively, but then he had a couple moves there in late second half and into overtime where he drove it knowing that that's what he was going to get. And, and he converted. So um, yeah, it was just well done. It was well done all the way around. Yeah. And it,
1: it's interesting to look at the numbers because I mean, defensively, neither team played, you know, statistically played to the, you know, the ability that I think we expected them to, you know, Iowa state average is 1.2 points per possession. Uh, Oklahoma state averaged 1.174. So, yeah. I mean, those have got to be pretty hot, close to probably season highs for both of those defenses. You know, what's your level of concern there? Uh, I was talking to Scott, Christofferson last night. I think that's who it was. I don't know. I talked to so many people during the games (laughs) now, but, uh, and I was just saying, you know, we were just having a conversation and I was like, man, you, there comes a point where you have to wonder with these teams when you're playing so many teams that are so good defensively and you are really trying to match that, like, man, there comes a point where you're in the dog days right now and it's going to be a lot harder to defend than it was earlier in the year, you know? And I, I think you're starting to see that across league play a little bit where it's not, people are, playing bad defense. It's just that the guys are tired and it's harder to play defense when you're tired.
2: Absolutely. And then you j- j- even think about yesterday and I think it goes hand in hand as Iowa state worked a lot harder on offense yesterday and that they are, they had possessions that lasted 20, 25 seconds and they're moving and they're cutting hard. Well, those legs then start to go on the defensive end and there were more plays at the rim for Oklahoma state than I remember anybody else having this year. Um, some in transition off turnovers, but a lot of them were just kind of just breakdowns that you haven't seen Iowa state do. And those added up. And then Avery Anderson just got on a run where everything he looked at was going in and that's, you know, guys are going to get hot. He's a really good score when he's, when he's feeling it. Um, but you know, I don't, I think it's, it's not an effort problem. I just think you're playing really good players now. And so, you know, when you're playing Southeastern Louisiana and you have a breakdown, chances are that guy's not going to make you pay where these guys are. And, when you have CSA at the rim, and some of those dudes, they're going to take advantage if they're able to get past that first wave. But you know, I don't think it's overly concerning. I just think this is this is Big Twelve basketball. I mean, you're going to have nights where some things work better than others. And Iowa State's attention to detail, I thought, was still pretty good. Um, didn't turn turn Oklahoma State over enough. Probably fouled too much. So those things got to get better. But by and large, I, t- I still think defense is the calling card for this team. I think you're dead on, Jared. I just think it's a matter of You can't expend that much energy all the time. And something had to take a step back.
1: The fouling thing is becoming, uh, it's a problem, a problem uh, because, you know, it's one thing when you're fouling because you're just playing really hard and it's just, you know, energy type of situation. It's another thing when you're fouling 60 feet away from the basket or you're fouling uh, out at the top because you're just bumping someone coming around a screen. Like you got to be able to shore up some of the silly fouls because you know, teams have shot a lot of free throws against Iowa state uh, for, you know, multiple times this season. Uh, This wasn't as bad as the Texas tech game last week, but Oklahoma state shot 29 free throws. Like the fact that they won the game when they had let the other team shoot uh, 13 more free throws than them and make 14 of them, then, you know, that that's an uphill climb. They got to be able to get that cleaned up.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you look at if you just look at those two things before the game, and you said, "Hey, well, uh, turnovers are going to be dead even at 14 and Oklahoma State's going to make uh, thirteen more free throws or fourteen more free throws than Iowa State, you go, oh, "Thanks for playing." Like mm-hmm. the, I, I would have thought, no chance. I would have no chance. But you don't. Iowa State's not making twelve of twenty-eight from three very often. Thankfully, it happened last night. But you're right. That's that's something that has to be better. And one of those two things. I mean, you, you've now seen this become a theme where not only is Iowa State fouling too much, but lately in the past two weeks, Iowa State has not gotten to the line much either. I mean, 16 free throws in a Big 12 game is not a lot. You'd like to have that above 20. And I thought Iowa State did a better job of attacking. But if you just think about the personnel, you know, Brockington did a better job of getting the line in the non-conference. But he was physically superior to a lot of those guys. Um, Hunter did a nicer job in the non-conference, but again, similar story. And Condit and Jones are just not going to get a lot of free throws because they're they're not getting touches down. And it is what it is, just the, the makeup of Iowa State's roster. So point is, if you're not going to shoot a lot of free throws, you at least have to prevent the other team from shooting a bunch and, and just mm-hmm. killing you on those easy points. And so, yeah, that's a – I'm glad Iowa State won the game, but there's a couple areas where you go, man, This some of the stuff is, is concerning – going forward and you can't get away with, with doing that again and expecting to win. But luckily I was actually show a lot of toughness and there were multiple times in the second half where you thought, man, this might get away. And Oklahoma state could go run away, but it didn't. And um, you know, at the end of the day, nobody cares what the free throw total looks like when the committee's looking at resumes in March. And right. that's a big time win. I mean, that's one of those that I, I would say sh- is definitely comfortably in the tournament now, but you know, six weeks from now, that's a that's a big win.
1: Absolutely. Talking to Iowa State basketball here on the Cyclone Fanatic radio show presented by the Iowa State University Foundation, George Stansbury and Brent Bloom. Uh, all right. Let's look across the the entire Big 12 here a little bit. Actually, no. First, I want to ask you an officiating question. We talked about goaltending. <laughs> oh, here in we go. Couple, we talked about goaltending a couple of weeks ago with uh, with the uh, Kansas game when the, yeah. the missed the miss ten call, we saw this become an issue on Monday on big Monday with in the overtime game between Texas tech and Kansas. Again, shockingly Kansas is always seems to be right in the middle of these controversies. Uh, yeah. and then Iowa state had a, was it a missed goal 10 call last night or what should have been a goal 10 call on an and one, uh, and then had one that did go their way on a basket interference late in the game that I think would have given Oklahoma state a lead. But, um, why, why is this all of a sudden an issue, Brent? Is this, is it just because I'm watching specific games and it just happens to pop up? But I mean, I don't know. It seems like there's a crisis, officiating crisis in college basketball and, and you have failed to comment on it to this point.
2: Do you know what the crazy thing is? And I, I believe this is the case. Cause I got to go back and watch that Kansas game again, but I'm pretty confident it was the same official involved in all three scenarios. Of course. Now it's Kip. So Kip Kissinger, the bald guy. Yeah. Now, he definitely was the Kansas guy for Iowa state. He's definitely involved there and he definitely did the game last night. I'm pretty sure he was an Allen field. he's one of the best in the big 12. And it, it's just coincidence that he was involved. It's not like Kip Kissinger doesn't know what a goaltend or a basket interference is, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things that just keeps popping up. Goaltending and basket interference is, you know, one of those that is on the scale of, of officiating, should be pretty easy to catch with three of you. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's just coincidental that this happened this way. I was scared to death when they looked that long at the monitor last night that they were going to wave that off, and it was super close. Like yeah, that was a if it goes the view. other way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was really really close. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's a crisis of goaltending and basket interference. I just think that they may need to look at the rule rule and see if they can alter what's reviewable or not, like we talked about. And good for them. I think. Any more, if there's a question, just call it. And then you can go look at it again. And that was a problem with the Iowa State Kansas game because it didn't get called. It could not be reviewed because you didn't want to stop live action. So,
1: well, yeah, that's what then, I didn't you know, understand it's, it's last night. That's what I didn't understand last night. I thought that the first official did call it on the one when they didn't give it Iowa State an and one. I thought he had called the goaltend and so they could go and look at it and then they never did. And that's, that's what I did understand. Another official overruled him. And I was like, wasn't that that guy's but, call? I don't know how that works.
2: I believe I got to look at it again, Jared, but I believe it's only in the last two minutes. So that's reviewable. Oh, okay. And that happened with like yeah. six left. Yes. Yeah, so it was late in the game, but yeah. Man, so okay. I, I, I,
1: I, yeah. It makes more sense. I just well, I believe I, there's a, I just, yeah,
2: it's I'm a problem, not sure though. on
1: what that rule is because it, it obviously came to bite Iowa state in the Kansas game. And then it happens in the Texas tech and Kansas game. And they reviewed goaltending twice. And so I was like, okay, why now all of a sudden can we review this, you know? And I, I don't know. Yep. It seems like there's inconsistency there. That is it. And it just and, is propped popped up a couple of times.
2: Well, when nobody knows the rules, including the broadcasters, it, it creates a like a, everyone's confused. And yeah. you know, I think it's, uh, that might be something where we should, we should have like a information session of what is allowable for people. Just don't, a lot of people just don't know the rule. And so it's very frustrating when you think, well, why is Why they, I got a bunch of tweets. Why are they reviewing this? It's like, well, it's the last two minutes and they called it that way. They didn't the last time. So I so think the, the best thing broadcasters could do, honestly, to help in those situations is know the rules. And the guys last night um, probably didn't do the best job of describing what was happening.
1: I think it's hard too, though, you know, obviously, you know, this, it's hard to call those games when you're not in the building. And have didn't
2: no, have
1: any, I mean, they, they couldn't even see the officials, you know, I think right away, the play-by-play guy thought that it had been a foul that they called. And that's where, when he said it was a foul, I was like, hold up, well, who called the foul then? Because I didn't, you know, I didn't see that. And uh it's hard when you just don't, see, you can't see the everything going on, you know, it's, how to call that stuff and how to even explain what's potentially happening.
2: Huge issue. I mean, because when you're courtside, you can see everything and, and they can come talk to you. Yeah. You know, that's the thing is like, I've had multiple officials come over. The, uh, the third one who's not at the monitor. Like, this is what we're looking at. Or this is what we decided. That's great. he's like, oh, well, that makes more sense. But when you're, when you're in your, uh, you know, home studio, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. And you can just, you're just guessing at that point. Plus you're at the mercy, of whatever angle you have. And so I feel bad for those guys. And that, for that same reason, Jared, you're dead on. So I don't blame them for not knowing the rule, especially when the, you can't get an explanation of what's being talked about. So you're just guessing, which then leads to the audience, not knowing what's going on and then just mass chaos and cats and dogs living together
1: i uh, felt bad for those guys last night because apparently studio 66 must have been shut down they didn't even have their own halftime show they had to do their <laughs> they had to do their own halftime well, show and we're on the and then they and, hour. and
2: then they had like a weird echo going like yeah, yeah it, was just, it, was, it was a tough night
1: for big 12 big 12 now on it, espn plus it's a
2: remote the mo- remote broadcast situation i know it's what we're doing but I just don't like it.
1: Uh, all right. did you see from the women last night? What did you feel encouraged? It was obviously a rough yeah. rough week last week.
2: Very, very healthy get back game and shot the ball. Well made 12 threes last night. Aubrey Jones, who had made one, three, all, all big 12 season made four, which was great. I thought the ball movement was really good. And just defensively, Iowa state was, was fine. Kansas is a really good team. It's not the Kansas of old. So, Uh, I would say still tied for first and on the women's side and then gets a winnable game on the road at Texas tech on Saturday. So certainly if I look at it, I would say it's definitely in the conversation to to be there at the end. And uh, it was a, it was a get right game. Uh, What the doctor ordered for, for Dr. Fenley.
1: We love to see it. All right, buddy. We'll hear more from you on the Sunday podcast uh, coming up this weekend. And we'll talk to you again soon. All right.
2: All right. Have a great weekend.
1: Yeah, we'll talk to everybody, or we'll be right back here with more on the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show, presented by the Iowa State University Foundation on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 FM KXNO.
3: Hi, Cyclone fans. This is Dr. Brian Warme, orthopedic sports medicine surgeon at McFarland Clinic. I really enjoy working with athletes of all ages, including the football team here in town. My colleague, Dr. Greenwald, and I provide specialized orthopedic care to patients of all ages, including sports injury evaluation, treatment, arthroscopic surgery, stem cells, and other biologics. Same
0: names for your sports injury needs, and don't let your injury keep you out of your game. Learn more at McFarlandSportsMedicine.com. Go Cyclones! Many
4: people are still working remotely, but a lot are gradually returning to their office, and that workplace has changed forever. Fortunately, dressing well for work has not. Mr. B. and Clive has a great variety of different clothing options depending on your personal situation. Whether it's a traditional suit and tie or a casual pant and golf shirt for a Zoom call, we have what you need. Come see for yourself at Mr. B. Clothing on 86th Street and Clive
5: gets crazy with my twins and a husband who works 80 hours a day, I mean a week, and I decided to start my own business on top of it, which is insanely crazy. But thanks to the Iowa Clinic, it was easy to see my doctor. And when I get there, she listens to me. So I feel like I have a partner. And before I know it, I can get back to my crazy, busy, insanely busy life where I have a busy business, busy husband, busy twins. Oh no, where's the other one? Oh, I'm holding her. Anyway, with same day appointments and online scheduling, the Iowa Clinic is care how you want it. Visit iowaclinic.com.
2: Hey, y'all, Brent Bloom here. Let me tell you about my friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive. They have a giant new store that they opened up about a year and a half ago. They're in West Clive, right near the Waukee border, my old stomping grounds. And they can help you out with any of your needs. In fact, with a larger warehouse now, a larger selection, they have many items right there at the store. In fact, my mom just needed some new appliances recently. It was an easy call to make. Told her to call Tim Mullen and the guys and gals over at Nebraska Furniture Mart in Clive. And always ask for the price match. They'll help you out there's something competing out there check out our cyclone fanatic friends at nebraska furniture mart in clive
0: hey cyclone fans it's chris williams you've heard our friends from the iowa pork producers they've been coming on here for the last couple of years i've been telling you guys about them i've had the great opportunity to meet so many of our state's great pork producers over the last couple of years and i've learned so much one thing specifically i didn't really know this before i guess i probably should have but these pigs are raised in environmentally controlled barns. That helps farmers care for the pigs. They protect the pigs from extreme temperatures, predators, you know, all that stuff. It is so high-tech, some of the stuff that our great pork producers are doing, and they're doing it all to feed our world and and don't forget about this, so you can have some of that delicious Iowa pork at your tailgates coming up this fall. From everyone at Cyclone Fanatic, I'm Chris Williams, saying thank you to our state's great pork producers.
1: The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is now fueled by the Mississippi River Distilling Company. It is located in Eau Iowa, and owned by Cyclones. In fact, one of them even used to be Cy. People ask us all the time how can they help out at Cyclone Fanatic? Well, Here's a way. You can pick up a delicious bottle of Cody Road bourbon or the very popular Iowish cream liqueur. Cyclone Fanatic is proud to be fueled by Cody Road. So cheers to our friends at the Mississippi River Distilling Company. And go Cyclones! Welcome back into the Cyclone Fanatic radio show presented by the Iowa State University Foundation. I want to thank them for all of their support for everything we do here at Cyclone Fanatic over the years. One of our, our long-running sponsors, someone we've had a great partnership with over the years, and uh, we appreciate them being the presenting sponsor of the Cyclone Fanatic radio show each and every week throughout uh, the winter and into the spring. All right, just me during this segment. I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, the Big 12 and some Big 12 men's basketball stuff. Going to do a you know, mid-season, all-Big 12 type of team. Just kind of take a look around the league. Get an idea of you know where guys are at. Maybe some Iowa State guys that could end up picking up some league honors. You know, it's been a couple of years now. Uh, you know, really since Tyrese Halliburton was, I think, a second teamer back in 2019-20. Two years since Iowa State's had a first team All-League guy. I think that you know, as of right now, at least, that probably. Uh, probably would change with the way that Isaiah Brockington is playing. Uh, But first, I mean, we got to start, you know, I think any time you're going to do an exercise like this, you got to start with the league's leading scorer. That's been Ochag Baji from Kansas, uh, averaging 21.3 points per game, which leads the Big 12. Uh, You know, he's a a really solid defender, a really good uh, perimeter defender for Bill Self's team. Uh, And he's also shooting, you know, 52% from the field. He's shooting 47% from three. You know, the guy is just... If anybody was gonna ask me for a you know player who's been in college basketball for a couple of years that you could see being a star at the professional level, I think that Ogbaji is probably as close as you're gonna find to you know a sure bet. You know he's a guy who can score at all three levels of the floor. Uh, he, you know we saw what he can do as a three point shooter the other night uh, against Texas Tech in the way that he's able to space the floor and create for himself. I mean it it reached a point where Texas Tech was picking up from. You know, wherever he was on the floor, they're face guarding him, not allowing him to touch the basketball because he's just a threat every time that he that he has it in his hands. And it's part of what makes Kansas as good as they are, you know, and then moving on, I think, you know, I mentioned him before. I think Isaiah Brockington's a surefire right now. Uh, First team all league guy averaging 16.9 points, which is third in the league, Uh, averaging 7.9 rebounds, which is tied for first. In the league, uh, with Mark Smith from Kansas State, and then you know Jonathan Th- Sean from Baylor is kind of right behind him. And I think the thing you got to remember about those two guys is uh, that they're big men, and Isaiah Brockington is not. Uh, for him to be able to do, be able to do what he's doing right now, you know, at six foot five, six six, uh, and attacking the glass in this way you know, as good as he is defensively. And then, like I said, with the scoring averaging almost 17 points a game, it's so impressive. And, you know, I think that he's got to be, you know, right in the mix. If he's not the Big 12 newcomer of the year, he's got to be right there in the mix for the of the conversation uh, along with the next guy I'm going to get to. Uh, But I, I just think it's, you know Isaiah has exceeded I think anybody's expectations for him and I you know it's not that expectations were low for him coming out of, of Penn State but we just we didn't really know what to expect from any of the guys on this team and you know his shooting in the mid range has obviously been so crucial to Iowa State during the during Big Twelve play uh, and he's a guy that I I'm so excited to see how he can continue to grow his game you know and he, he'll have the option to come back to Iowa State next year I don't know what the odds are of, of that at this point but. You know, I just think that he's got a lot of room still to grow in his game, and he's someone who can be, you know, if he continues to work and can really get that three point shot down, I think that he is a guy who could maybe, you know, make a run at the next level. I don't know that he'll be a draft pick or anything like that, but I could see him sticking in the G League, getting a two way contract and working his way up like we have seen with a lot of these Cyclones here uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, the next guy uh, that I would have on my list is James Akinjo from Baylor, averaging 13.2 points per game, which is 10th in the league, uh, and then averaging 5.6 assists to lead the league. He's also averaging 1.9 or has a 1.9 assist to turnover ratio, and then he is uh, you know, one of the best defenders in the league with 2.2 steals per game. When they came to Hilton Coliseum earlier this month uh, when the Baylor Bears did, you know, and the the Baylor was obviously playing really good ball. They hadn't lost a game yet to that point. We're number one team in the country. And it was really easy to understand why when you were able to watch Akinjo and see the way that he's able to control the game as a point guard. And, you know, nothing goes – nothing gets out of control when that kid is on the floor. And uh, he is so heady with the basketball on offense – so good at setting up those, all of those shooters and scorers that they've got on that bears roster. And then he's also a pretty good scorer in his own right, which we all learned on that afternoon in the Hilton Coliseum. Uh, I think that, you know, if you want to pinpoint why Baylor has been able to maintain the success that they had with Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler, it's pretty easy to just point at James Akinjo because the kid is, you know, he's as good as any point guard I've seen in college basketball this year. And, uh, you know it's just a a battler on every every given night a guy that's just going to go out there and fight and do whatever he has to do in order to walk away with a win um you know there's a couple guys that I think are are right on the verge here of, of you know being in this conversation I think Bryson Williams from Texas Tech has been fantastic we saw how crucial he is to that team's success uh when he had to miss a couple of games or no I think I'm thinking about I'm thinking about somebody else. But now he, Bryson Williams, though, fantastic. And, you know, it's obviously been such a good big man for them uh, throughout the entire year. Taz Sherman, you know, he deserves a shout out. He'll be right there in that conversation as well, averaging 18.5 points per game. West Virginia is kind of a weird team. I feel like they fly under the radar compared to most of the other teams in the league. Uh, You know, only two and five so far. Lost four straight to Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma. They fully understand the uh, the grind that this league is, obviously. Um, you know, and still almost two weeks before Iowa State's going to have to play them on February 8th out in Morgantown. And, you know, right now Ken Palm has that game as a 65-64. But, uh, you know, Tash Sherman's been fantastic for them this so far this season. You know, he's averaging, uh, like I said before, he's averaging 18.5 points per game, has made a huge jump uh, this year as a, uh, as a senior. And someone who is going to give West Virginia a chance to to win on any given night, um, you know some other guys. I think you could could throw into this conversation. Christian Brown uh, has been so good for for Kansas as well. Uh, he's averaging you know fifteen point three points and is a knockdown three point shooter. Uh, there's a reason that Kansas still sits in first in this league, uh, and Christian Brown is is right up there and being a big reason why. And you've seen him make major strides as a junior. You can see where he's got some of that professional potential as well down the road. Uh, You know, I think a Nigel Pack like Kansas State, some of this probably depends on how good some of these teams end up being. But, uh, you know, I think that's a handful of guys uh, right there that are all in that mix. Tanner Groves. from Oklahoma, you know, what he's able to do as a playmaker and as a scorer around the rim, uh, his ability to obviously step out and shoot the three-pointer a little bit. Uh, he's been as exciting as a, of a newcomer as I think we've had in this league besides uh, the Isaiah Bronkerton, like I mentioned earlier. And, you know, I think if you look at a freshman of the year in the league, it would be hard right now for me to pick anybody besides Tyrese Hunter, and I'm probably biased a little bit in that sense. But you know, see what he's been able to do on a night in, night out basis, as not only as an offensive player and and in being able to you know grow as a point guard this season. But, man, what he's done as a defender, like he might be the Big 12 defensive player of the year at this point. Uh, you know, He's third in the league in steals and has been so good locking down some of these teams' best perimeter players. Uh, I, I don't know that he would win that award. He'd probably be in the top five in voting. Uh, at the very least, I think right now he's probably going to get an honorable mention all-league uh, opportunity. You know, I, I don't vote on that those things. I think that's the, the coaches are the ones that vote on that, but I'd be really surprised if Tyrese does not get some kind of recognition uh, in, in those races, and you know, I think that's well-deserved because of the growth that we've seen him make throughout this season. All right, we're going to do something a little bit different when we come back on the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show presented by Iowa State University Foundation. We're going to talk some Iowa State wrestling with Jacqueline Cordova and Ben Visser. That's coming up next on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 FM, KXNO. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is now fueled by the Mississippi River Distilling Company. It is located in Leclerc, Iowa and owned by Cyclones. In fact, one of them even used to be Cy. People ask us all the time, how can they help out at Cyclone Fanatic? Well, here's a way. You can pick up a delicious bottle of Cody Road bourbon or the very popular Iowish Cream Liqueur. Cyclone Fanatic is proud to be fueled by Cody Road. So cheers to our friends at the Mississippi River Distilling Company. And go Cyclones!
0: number 138063. 1200 Southwest State Street, Suite E, Ankeny, Iowa. 50023. Equal housing lender.
1: It's not whether you win or lose. It's whether you serve pork at your tailgating party. Hi, I'm Dave Struthers, and I'm here to remind you that Iowa pig farmers like me work hard year-round so you have safe, wholesome pork for the football season.
0: Whether it's pulled pork sandwiches, ribs, or chops, nothing says tailgating better than pork. This message brought to you by Iowa pork producers through the Pork Checkoff.
1: Make your tailgating delicious. Learn more at iowapork.org. Cycle Fanatic is proud to partner with the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State University. As many business schools across the country are eliminating full-time MBA programs completely or moving them online, the Ivy College of Business is documenting all-time high enrollment for both the MBA and Master of Finance programs. To learn how a master's degree from the Ivy College of Business can boost your career, visit www.ivybusiness.iastate.edu. That's
4: www.ivbusiness.iastate.edu. Go Cyclones! Many people are still working remotely, but a lot are gradually returning to their office, and that workplace has changed forever. Fortunately, dressing well for work has not. Mr. B & Clive has a great variety of different clothing options depending on your personal situation. Whether it's a traditional suit and tie or a casual pant and golf shirt for a Zoom call, we have what you need. Come see for yourself at Mr. B. Clothing on 86th Street in Clive.
2: Hey Cyclone fans, ever wondered how we could use our Cyclone spirit for the greater good? If we each give a little, together we can multiply the power of our gifts to help Iowa State University students when unexpected needs arise. Your gift can make the difference in helping a student finish out the semester or keep an internship experience within reach. To make a gift, And to move what matters for Iowa
0: State students, go to isufoundation.com. Hey guys, it's Williams here from and Fanatic on behalf of my friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive. They've been a part of the and Fanatic radio show here Thursday nights on KXNO for a really long time. We're, we're talking like half a decade now. They're great supporters of what we do, and we return, we like to do the same to them. That's why anytime I need any electronics, anything like that, I call my friend Tim Mullen at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive. Not only do I get the best service in town but they're Cyclone Fanatic supporters, big time. Give our friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive a call today and tell them Cyclone Fanatic sent you. This is Dr. Thomas Greenwald,
4: board-certified orthopedic sports medicine physician. This is my 30th year taking care of Iowa State athletes, and I am a proud supporter of the Cyclones. As an orthopedic surgeon, I specialize in musculoskeletal care for athletes of all ages, from high school to collegiate athletes to adult weekend warriors. Trust McFarland Orthopedic Sports Medicine and my colleague, Dr. Warmi, and I, For excellent sports injury care and rehabilitation, visit us on the web at mcfarlandsportsmedicine.com. Go Cyclones.
1: Welcome back into the Cyclone Fanatic radio show presented by the Iowa State University Foundation here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 FM KXNO. I'm Jared Stansbury. We're going to toss things off here and do something a little bit different. Got an excerpt from this week's Reaction Time podcast, which is our wrestling podcast on Cyclone Fanatic hosted by uh, our reporter Jacqueline Cordova and then Ben Visser. Uh, Ben was a longtime reporter for the Cedar Rapids Gazette I think he's one of the best wrestling voices in the state of Iowa, and it's great to have him on our team. And I cut out this this portion uh, where they talk about Iowa State's upcoming duels against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State this weekend down uh, in the state of Oklahoma. So I hope you guys enjoy this. If you want to find the full podcast, you can find it right now on the Cyclone Fanatic homepage. Uh, So let's toss it off to Jacqueline and Ben.
5: We can definitely transition into this upcoming weekend. It's my personal favorite duels of the season. At least Oklahoma State for sure. How can you not be excited? Um Iowa State is headed to Oklahoma. They'll compete against Oklahoma on Friday um, at 7 p.m. And then Oklahoma State on Sunday at two.
3: Yes, I believe that's what it Maybe. is. Maybe I don't know. I don't know what it is. I know it's on Sunday though.
5: <laughs> yes, it's Sunday afternoon. Um I am super pumped. I love these duels. They're always my favorite. I have nothing but respect for Oklahoma state. Absolute powerhouse of a program. Love and hate them at the same time. Love (laughs) and hate John Smith. Um, Very sad that I have not been able to be on the floor to photograph this duel in a long time. Um, Since last year, we weren't allowed on the floor. Mm. Thanks to COVID. So maybe next season or maybe big 12s.
3: Big 12s, you could do that and make a trip down to Tulsa.
5: Hey, I'm I'm hoping so. It's it's on my to-do list of things to discuss with CETA when the time comes. There so, you go. But we can start, you know, with Oklahoma, which is on Friday. Always a good match. A lot of a lot of changes on the roster that I don't love. 141.
3: Yeah. Yeah. They moved Dom Demas to 49, but now apparently Dom Demas is out. He didn't wrestle last weekend. Um, And for those who may not know, Dom Demas and Ian Parker have one of the best rivalries in college wrestling. Every match, they not like an intense, they hate each other type of rivalry, but a rivalry where like every single match they wrestle is four to three, five to four, three to two, something like that. And it's so intense because their styles are so different from each other. Ian Parker is a grinded out get in your face. He's going to hit his um, single leg shots. And that's pretty much what he's going to do. Dom Demas, is upper body inside trip. He's trying to go big and their clash in styles is so fantastic. And it makes for awesome wrestling. It's not always a ton of scoring because they both respect each other and their style so much, but, um, man, it's fun to watch just the little chess match that they do. One guy gives an inch. The other guy takes the inch and it's just, man, fun, fun matches, but it sounds like that's not going to happen. They moved Demus up to 49, but now Demus is out. So, Um, Oklahoma, they, I think tied for the big 12 championship last year, or they were got, they got second. They had an incredible tournament. Um, but they're not quite as, mm, they're not doing quite as well as they are, are as they did at the big 12 tournament. They still have some of the same guys, but the problem with Oklahoma that I see on paper is that those guys are go big or go home. And I'm mostly referencing the Mantenona there. They got Troy Mantanona at um 165, I would believe, and then Anthony Mantanona at 174. Two brothers from California, who are pin or be pinned type of wrestlers. Every position they're in, they're trying to pin somebody. And that's great if it works, because then that's six points. And if they both do it, that's 12 team points for Oklahoma in two matches. If it doesn't work out like that, I don't they don't win by decision very often. I'll say that. They mostly win by pin. So, um, if they don't win, it's going to be a six point swing the other way. So Oklahoma has a few wild cards in there that make predicting a duel against them very difficult because they've beaten the man to have beaten some really highly ranked guys, but they've also lost to some guys who are like, I don't even know who that person is. So, um, Oklahoma has a really interesting team makeup.
5: Yeah. I feel like the, the match against Oklahoma is always one of those where you always remember like, Oh yeah, Oklahoma isn't necessarily like a huge like crazy consistent powerhouse type of program. But then you go into the duel and they'll end up surprising you. Like you said, it always kind of ends up being a toss up of where things might go, which is why I always really enjoy the duel. um, Currently on intermat, they are ranked number 19. So Iowa State will face off against number 19 and then number three, Oklahoma. So still ranked uh, Big 12 opponents. Um, Definitely devastated, personally, over the Ian Parker-Dom Demas match. I always look forward to that. Um, But definitely excited to see... um, you know, like you said, younger has a tough opponent and Jake Woodley. We have, who else do they have?
3: Let's see. Justin Thomas at one fifty-seven, and yep. that's not going to be necessarily a match to watch. It's a match to watch because David Carr's in it, but Justin Thomas is ranked in that 15, 16 range. Um, it'll be interesting to see what adjustments David Carr makes because like you said, his mindset is to get pins. He wants to get pins. He wants to win by bonus points. Um, this is going to be an opportunity against a mid-ranked guy to get those bonus points, to get a pin. So we'll see, because Justin Thomas is not a slouch. He's a pretty good wrestler. He's once in big matches. What's David Carr able to do against a Justin Thomas that maybe he wasn't able to do against Jared Afranic? I think that's one thing to watch at 57.
5: And I think the thing with David that I like and find very just interesting, just because when you look at Some of the top wrestlers, they tend to have very like chip on their shoulders, very like, you know, their attitudes are very rough around the edges because they're hungry for those wins and hungry for that reputation. And David is just the smiliest, just like (laughs) warmest person in the room. So it's funny because, you know, David's in the wrestling room right now, practicing his head off asking to be challenged, working with his coaches. So I definitely think that he's going to come into this match and be determined to get the pin. I, I will not be surprised if he gets one, honestly.
3: Yeah. I pin absolutely in play. I think at minimum, a major decision happens. I don't see, I I'd be shocked if Jerry, or if David Carr doesn't win by at least eight points, um, I could see him shutting him out because David Carr doesn't get taken down. I think he got taken down once all of last year and he hasn't gotten, I don't believe he's gotten taken down this year. So, um, no, David Carr has a chance at a shutout against a a quality opponent. Um, and then like you mentioned, one ninety-seven younger Bastida, he's going to be wrestling. Um, Woodley, Jake Woodley from Oklahoma. I looked it up last year. Woodley beat Bastida 12 to zero major decision. And I think that's one of those things, one of those areas of growth where Woodley got the first takedown and Younger couldn't get up. And then Woodley chose top and Younger couldn't get up. So um, I think that's going to be an area where if they're in a close match or if Younger does get taken down, what does he look like once he's on bottom? I think that's going to be really interesting to watch.
5: And then let's see what else we got here from Oklahoma. Heinzel at
3: heavyweight could be interesting just because he's a low, not a, he's a low ranked guy. He's ranked in the twenties. Um, Sam Schuyler's obviously just coming off his win against Brandon Metz. So can you keep that momentum going against another ranked guy, but not highly ranked guy just to really cement himself in that NCAA qualifier territory? I think that could be a good one to watch as well.
5: Yes. I look forward to seeing Sam Schuyler continue to be kind of push, especially as he says that his focus is to continue to wrestle like he would at 197. And like you mentioned before, heavyweight wrestling is very different from every other weight class. So um, especially a tall heavyweight. Yeah. Um, Josh Heinzelman is six foot. So yeah, big, big heavyweights.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. Another one um, that I don't know how how good of a match it's necessarily going to be, but 133 Ramazan Adisayev has number 14 Tony Madrigal, and Madrigal is another another one of those where he's not quite as pinned or be pinned as the Mantononas, but he's inconsistent. And I'm not expecting Ramazan to win. I'm not planning for him to win, but I'm interested to see how he wrestles in that match because Madrigal can be a big move guy but he can also lose matches in weird ways. So um, that's going to be one where if Ramazan stays in position and doesn't do anything too weird, he he could end up with a pretty quality win against a ranked guy. So that's another one where um, that's something to watch for at least.
5: Yeah, it's definitely, I feel like because of, who he, who Ramazan is as an athlete with, you know, that the, just the anger he had last week and how he's going to use that to translate into a good performance this weekend. Um, I definitely think he will be determined to bounce back. Um, and then, and against a guy like this, I think he definitely has an opportunity to be challenged, but also prove that he can come back and come back stronger especially since he hasn't really been able to have matches, which is kind of the sat, the frustrating part from that pin is that he was so excited to get back. We haven't really been able to see him since he's been out and to come back and get pinned was a rough start. So definitely excited to see how he translates because I definitely would like to see him go through an entire season and have that starting spot and see how he really translates out in the end.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um... To give a match prediction, I think Iowa State probably wins this one unless both Mantanonas get pins. Um, but I don't know if I see that happening. Um I, I don't know I I think Joel Devine is um steady enough that I don't think he'll give up position like that and get pinned. Isaac Judge is a little bit of a wild card, so we'll see what he does, but um I think Iowa State wins this one somewhere in that 20 to 15 range. Um but it'll be, it'll probably be the best match yet for Iowa state. Um, Iowa was obviously pretty good, but outside of the Iowa duel, um, Iowa state hasn't wrestled a ton of super competitive dual meets. And I think this could be one where on paper it could go back and forth a little bit, depending on pins and how guys do, but um, no, it should be good, good fun dual meet.
5: Well, and I feel like that's kind of been the frustrating thing and, in terms of, you know, watching and covering the team is you really want to see those guys go up against really tough opponents. The Iowa duel is the Iowa duel. It, it You know, it is what it is. It's, it's hard to look at it, like, objectively in a sense of this is exciting. They're going against, like, the number one team because there's just so much that goes on around it because of the – Rich history of the rivalry and the fans, and there's just a whole different energy of it. So when we look at Iowa State heading into their Sunday matchup against um number three Oklahoma State, I am pumped. You know, this is a very, very good program. And I am so excited to see them really be challenged by a team who's currently on their, it's currently undefeated. Yep. So they've wrestled good
3: opponents too. It's not like Oklahoma state hasn't wrestled anyone. They've wrestled some quality opponents.
5: No, Oklahoma state has, uh, started with Stanford, then moved on to Minnesota. They already battled Oklahoma, which is who they beat 31 to three. Um, they wrestled Wyoming, Utah Valley, just, yeah, it's, it's exciting and they'll face off against, uh, Northern Iowa on
3: Saturday uh, the day before.
5: Yes, I was like what day is the 29th? Yes, they'll face off you and I which is another team I'm really looking forward to, which we can talk about that later on, but um, focusing on Oklahoma State, we have been hyped about this duel not only just because it's Oklahoma State, but because Younger was going to have the opportunity to wrestle number 1 mm. um AJ Ferrari, but Unfortunately, uh AJ Ferrari was in a car wreck last night. Um you're listening to sorry, this. Yes, yeah, yes. I forget. It is Tuesday for us and it'll be Wednesday for you guys. Um AJ Ferrari was in a car accident. He was injured. Um, it sounds like internal bleeding, some uh fluid in the lungs, but thankfully it sounds like he's gonna make a good recovery. Um, but the initial reports were pretty scary. I saw that he had to be lifelighted. Yeah. Um, it's a crazy, crazy story. Um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state
3: offensive coordinator their, for football, their offensive coordinator saw, saw the car and it was on fire. And he literally pulled AJ Ferrari from the burning car. Like this was a serious, serious car crash that AJ Ferrari was in. He was with, he was coming back from a youth wrestling camp. Um, he was with another Oklahoma State athlete, a runner, I believe. And the runner, by all accounts, everyone's going to make a full recovery. There's no life-threatening injuries, which, thank God, it sounds like AJ Ferrari got the worst of it um, with the internal bleeding, with the fluid in his lungs, with having to be pulled out from a burning car and being life-lighted to a hospital. So, um, no, that was a very situ- very scary situation to pay attention to on uh, Monday night and follow that and make sure that he was going to be okay. So we don't know what his timeline's like. It's safe to say he's not going to wrestle this weekend. Um, fingers crossed if he's able to, he'll wrestle big 12s, but I don't know how realistic that is. I'm not sure many people know how realistic that is, but it's, it's really tough to see because AJ Ferrari was absolutely electric last year as a freshman. He won the national championship as a true freshman at And he kept on rolling this year. So to see a guy like that have to go through something like this um, is unfortunate, especially because you'd like to see what younger Bastida can do against him. Because last year, and I'm pretty sure I'm correct on this, younger Bastida was the only person in NCAA wrestling to take down AJ Ferrari. So that would have been a fun match. I'm not saying younger would have won, but I would have liked to see that match. But obviously AJ Ferrari's health comes first and um, you hope he makes a full recovery.
5: Absolutely. Just one of those situations where this is bigger than the sport. And, um, I, it's definitely been super, uh, I don't know what to call it. Heartwarming, uh, just to see my timeline filled with so many positive thoughts and, um, tweets being tweeted at the team. And, um, I mean, ESPN covered the story, which Mm -hmm. AJ Ferrari is worth an ESPN story. So when you see college wrestling in an ESPN story, it's kind of, something big happened. So definitely sending positive, uh, vibes and prayers out to AJ and his family. And, um, of course, everyone involved in, um, uh, the cross country runner, uh, I can't remember his first name. I know for sure. Rodriguez is his last name. Um, but yes, sending positive thoughts. He will definitely be missed this Sunday. Um, but overall Oklahoma state is still a stacked team should be a good, uh, Measuring stick duel, as we like to say. um, Which match would you say you're looking forward to the most? um,
3: Well, a lot of them. Um, I'm going to start at 125 because that's when I have pulled up. Um, Oklahoma State has Trevor Mastro Giovanni at 125. He's ranked number six. So this is going to be probably Kyson Tarakina's biggest test of the year so far. It's going to put his undefeated uh, mark up against the test or yeah. And I think that's going to be a real telltale sign of where Kyson Tarakina can go. If he can pull off an upset here, he's earned his undefeated record and he should be talked about. Is he going to be an all American? So right now, I think Kyson is firmly in the NCAA qualifier. Maybe he can get to round of 12 type of guy. If he beats a guy like Trevor Mastro Giovanni, I think that really, puts him into that next level of, okay, he's a serious contender for all Americans. I think that's a big match for Kyson.
1: I hope you guys enjoyed that portion of the reaction time podcast on the Cyclone Fanatic podcast network. Like I said, you can find the full episode right now on the Cyclone Fanatic podcast feed or on the Cyclone Fanatic homepage at cyclonefanatic.com. We'll be back with more Cyclone Fanatic radio show uh, action next Thursday from six to seven, right here on Des Moines sports station, 106.3 FM KXNO.